Did you know that 8,000 out of every 10,000 people have thought about writing a book? But how many of you think actually do? Hmm, that's the question for the ages. Now I've got Susan here and she's gonna tell us a little bit about herself, a little bit about why this statistic matters to her and why it should matter to you. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shauna. It is wonderful to be here. And uh, yeah, isn't that a shocking statistic? 8,000 out of every 10,000 people have thought about writing a book. And when I first came across that statistic, I thought, well, wait, how many get published? You know, that's a lot of people. And as it turns out, of those 8,000 people who have thought about writing a book, 3,200 or 40% start. They sit themselves down and they open a journal or a word file or something and they actually start to write their book. And of those 3,200 people who start writing a book, 64 people will finish their book manuscript. And that's a real achievement. It takes a lot of dedication to finish a book manuscript, but it's not really a book until it gets published. And so out of those 64 people who finish a book manuscript, eight go on to get published. And why I care about that is I think that that is a real tragedy. There are so many amazing stories out there. We all have stories. And to think that only eight people out of 8,000 people who thought about writing a book, only eight go on to get published. I think that's a really, really sad thing. And I'm a book coach and an editor. I help people take their books from the idea stage all the way through to the point of publication. So I work as a coach and an editor. We, we, we work on the ideas, on the manuscript, on making sure that the messages are reflected properly. And especially for this podcast, particularly that it is a good marketing tool for your business because our books are really an important way that we can confirm our brand, show credibility, and really serve the people that we're here to serve. So that's a little bit about me. That's amazing, Susan. Honestly, like I'm so just to let everybody know, I didn't know those statistics before Susan <laughs> said them. And I just about fell off my chair. I'm not good at math, but eight out of 8,000 people, that's, that's kind of, that it's sad. It's exactly that. It's sad. Especially when I know I have conversations every day. That's the whole point of marketing is to start conversations. Yes. And I know there's so much wealth, knowledge, wealth housed in every person I've had a conversation with. Yes. And to think that 8,000 out of every 10,000 have thought, yeah, you know what? I could really write a book, but then they just, they just don't. And they don't and because it's eight. a lot of work. Like it's not, it's not an easy thing to write a book. And I'm, I'm the other thing that I kind of beat the drum about a little bit is there are a lot of organizations and individuals out there that will try and convince people, oh, well, heck, you can write a book in a weekend. Yeah, get that book done, get it up on Amazon. You'll be an Amazon bestseller. You'll make millions of dollars with your book. And I've written five traditionally published books. I write fiction and nonfiction. I'm working on my sixth book now. And I got to tell you, as a professional writer and editor, I don't think I would want to read a book that I would write in a weekend, like even in a month. It, it takes a lot of um, introspection and organization to write an excellent book that will support your reputation and enhance your credibility and serve the people that you're here to serve. It's not just an easy thing that you dash off in a in a heartbeat. So I, I feel that it's really important that people understand that, yes, you can do it. 
and you can do a great job and it might not be something you do overnight. So there's a lot of dedication that is required of this deep job of writing an excellent book. Excellence takes time in anything. Excellence takes time. So here's your thing like that. Put it on, put it on your wall, mount it to your wall. Excellence takes time. And this is applicable across the board. Now, I have three things that I kind of pulled out of what you have, what you said there. Sure. Um, the first thing I want to honor is the fact that you are calling out misleading marketing. Because those people who are saying, oh, write a book in a day or a week or whatever that looks like, that that, that is very misleading because it lacks that the integrity that comes with creating quality content. That's the second thing that I wanted to pull out is because we we actually just had this conversation off the air where it was like, there's a lot of really crappy content out in the world right now. And we are thirsty for quality content. We really want to consume something worthwhile, something that will make an impact on us and empower us to make an impact on others. But it's, it's lacking and this mis misleading marketing about writing a book in a short period of time is leading to just more of the, the nonsense. We don't want that. Another thing that you mentioned was about how hard it, how hard it is. Like it's not, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart, but it doesn't need to be difficult. You don't need to be scared of it. It doesn't need to be untangible. And this is another thing that I found was really valuable is the way that you create a space that makes it tangible within reach for your clients. And I wanted to ask you to kind of dive into that and how you've kind of created this sort of metaphor for, for the, the wealth of authorship for within the, the concept, the construct of bridges, bridges, I believe it is. Yeah. Into that? Oh yeah. I, I love that. I, yeah. So going back to how hard it is, you know, to write a book, to write a good book. I mean, I could mm -hmm. go to AI and formulate a you know generate a book in well it might take two minutes but in no time at all that's not a really good book and it is not a book that leans on these bridges that I think we're building as we're writing a book when I'm a professional writer by trade I have had fabulous jobs in national and international organizations where writers are paid to write uh, in in marketing government communications corporate communications and journalism and when I sat down to write my first book, I thought, oh, you know, people have been telling me I'm a pretty good writer for over a decade now. How hard can this be? You know, I'll sit myself down. I was pregnant with my son at the time. He's no baby anymore. But I thought nine months, write the book, get the baby, off we go. I'll start marketing it and I'll get on to that next book. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I like that dream, though. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> well, the baby was done in nine months, but the book took 13 years. And a big part of that was mindset, heart set. There was a lot of imposter syndrome going on in me, the self-doubt. I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, we moved. I had a busy family. Five children and stepchildren were fluttering around my energy. And so, you know, there, there were a lot of reasons why not to do it. And what I didn't know at the time that I've since come to realize now that I've written a bunch of books and I've helped, I don't even know how many people write their books. I, I've come to realize that there are these three bridges that we're building as we are writing our books. And the first bridge is that we're bridging to deeper dimensions of who we are as human beings, that writing a book is an evolutionary process if you give yourself the chance to do it well. And if you take that time to think about your book, to feel into the book, 
some of my clients download their book. They they really access their higher levels. And and divinity doesn't have a clock on it. You know, like it's like <laughs> that, that there's a, a percolation that happens in the process of writing that book. And it does bridge us to more of our deeper truths because I feel that as authors, that's what we're doing. Is we're serving our readers with the truth as we know it. And that comes through our stories and it comes through our wisdom and all the rest of it. But unless you've built that bridge to the deeper dimensions of who you are, you can't offer that to your readers. It's just not there. So that's that first bridge is to deeper dimensions of who we are. And that's hard on its own. And we're talking about multiple bridges. That introspection can feel really scary. I mean, I'm in the process. Um, if people have been following along, you know that I'm in the process of writing my own book. and I'm, I'm in the baby stages. I mean, it's outlined, I'm fleshing it out. I'm writing my stories. I'm connecting my stories. And as I'm doing that, and like, I wouldn't say that I've passed this first bridge completely yet. And it's already making me like tear up. So like, it's, it's, it's emotionally difficult. You need to be willing to be open. You really do. And this is just my my experience unto you as the audience, unto you as the coach. Breathe deeply and power through. It's worth it. It is so normal to, uh, Shauna, to, to feel emotional when you're writing a book. And I think that's one of the reasons it can take people a long time to get through the project, that, that they're feeling a lot. Like, I mean, I'm working on my sixth book now, and it's a book about how to write a, a quality book, how to write a transformational book. And through that, I'm weaving my own personal story of that 13 year first first book that I worked on. And, and you know, that, that during that period, my uh, husband at the time, he got cancer and he died. And so in my process of writing my first book, there was a lot of emotional trauma that was going on. And even now, as I'm writing it, there are moments when I do get quite choked up about some of the things that I am reliving through the process of writing the book. And but you know what, I am processing it as I am dealing with it as well. I've done a mountain of work on myself, um, you know, done a lot of spiritual work, a lot of personal development work and all the rest of it. And there are always more layers for us available in it. And just in that, that brief share that you just gave, like, my, my, when you tell a quality story, you can feel it. I can feel it. You told me this brief little tidbit of what you're going to be creating. And my body is lit up. I can feel, I'm like, I, I need to dive into the story. I'm like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> you know, like, this is so amazing. So like, that's the wealth of taking the time. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to dive into that, to do cross that per first bridge and to really make an impact through this personal development. Yeah. So what's what's the next bridge? Because now I'm already, I'm tired. Oh, oh, I know it's a long <laughs> walk, but it does, it's not a hard walk. It's just, you know, do the work. Especially with friends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the second bridge is the bridge we are building to our readers. And especially with a nonfiction book, well, fiction too, but, you know, I think probably maybe more of your listeners are interested in a nonfiction book if this is a marketing podcast it's going to make that assumption but the um keeping in mind keeping in mind i'm just going to add okay. that i believe we're never not marketing 
life and business are intricately intertwined. And I would be equally interested in somebody's fantasy sci-fi mm. as their how to write a book. book. <laughs> so it does cross barriers. But for the sake of this conversation, let's dive into the nonfiction world. Sure. Yeah, because they're very different. <laughs> Fiction and nonfiction are very different. Some That's of the right. processes are the same. But yeah, so we're building a bridge to our readers. And that comes through there. To me, there are really three phases of a quality book. And the first phase is the structure. You need a good structure for your book. And as you were saying, you've outlined your book. Awesome. Some people don't do that before they start writing. And there, we have what we call um, pantsers and plotters in the book world. And a plotter maps everything out from stem to gudgeon before they sit down to write. And a pantser flies by the seat of their pants and they just sit down and write and it'll, it'll all come out all right. And so they're very two diff different personality styles that come into the writing of a book. But, uh, but, but really all, uh, for everybody, we, we we really have these three layers that go into making a really good book. So the first one is the structure. If you are a pantser and you don't want to bother with structure when you sit down, your editor is going to have to impose the structure on the material that you provide at the editing phase because reading is a linear process and your readers need to be able to go on the journey you want them to go on. And, and for that, we need a structure. And so that's part of that bridge is we're bridging to our readers through a solid structure that serves them, that makes the reading experience easy. And then the other layer that's part of that bridge to your readers is the stories that you tell. So we're, we're, we're a species that really resonates with stories. And as they say, you know, thousands of years ago, people sat around the campfire listening to the stories. And even today, if you've been camping, you've probably sat around the campfire and told some stories and maybe some really good ghost stories went into that. I can remember my sister and I, when we were kids, my, our parents took us camping all the time and I'd be terrified. She was four years older than me. She knew all the good ghost stories and I believed every one of them and I was just too scared to sleep. But, you know, but how cool is that? And now that's a story I'm telling you now today. You know, there's and, and keep in mind, and I just I realized it as I did it. But if you're going to tell a story like it, the power of storytelling, what did my body you can see it in people because I'm I'm deep into psychology and neuroscience and, mm -hmm. and, and sensation, perception, behavior. Mm -hmm. What did my body do as soon as you were like, I'm going to tell you a story about my sister and I at a campfire. And I was like, oh, lean in. I lean in. I'm ready. I'm here for this. Right. And this is like this is. Uh, human wide, yes. <laughs> globally, if we're going to tell a story and if we've set it up the way you did, especially when you've done it really nicely, here's the story. We're going to lean in. And that's what you want. Yes. And that's part of your bridge to your readers. Tell stories. Mm -hmm. The worst thing in the world is to just spit out a whole bunch of facts and call it a book. That's That's not really a good book. I mean, that's maybe what AI might give you, but it's the story that really makes the difference. It's, we we all love stories. And so, again, part of that bridge, tell stories, anecdotes. They don't even have to be long stories. They can be just little short anecdotes to engage your reader. And then the third layer of that bridge is the craftsmanship of your writing. And that's the piece that I think most people are most insecure about. It is such a vulnerable thing to put on display for people, the, the, your your writing. 
And again, back to that fourth grade teacher who told you what a terrible writer you were, maybe grade 10 or a parent or somebody in your life that said, oh my gosh, I can't read this chicken scratching. That stays deep within our neurology, actually. And it's very, very hard to get over that. So don't believe everything your teachers told you about your writing, because even if you feel that you're not a great writer, that's what an editor is there for. An editor will help work on your prose and on your sentence structure and on your preposition usage and all that grammar stuff that maybe you didn't like so much when you were younger. It is important. And that's one of the things an editor is there to help you with, is to help with the craftsmanship of your writing. It, it, it is a craft. It's, you know, I've been working on my craftsmanship in writing for decades and decades and decades. And I'm still finding ways to improve what I do. I, I, I tend to have run on sentences. I love a long sentence. Well, it's not so great to have too many long sentences. You know, so mm -hmm. when I'm editing myself, so, that's what I'm watching for. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because I love, I, lo I like long sentences too. I read Charles Dickens and I'm like, oh my goodness, the detail that he gave the rug in the room. <laughs> That has nothing to do with the story, but it just gives it so much wealth of detail. Um, so I have to ask you, and this seems, seems like a weird question, but what is your opinion on the semicolon? <laughs> In what, like, do I like it or not? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. I know it sounds like a silly yeah. question. I, I, love, I, the I love the semicolon. It has yeah. so much power. I use it a lot. Of, of yeah. like, it's like, you think people love a period. They want the short sentences, but these two short sentences are so much more powerful when you've connected them and you can't connect them with a period because that's a divider, but a semicolon introduces flow. I love it. Yeah. My husband makes fun of me all the time because I'll put a semicolon wherever the heck I want. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. I mean, I know that, place, but yeah, that's right. You, you can use it with more power in some places than others, but I do love it. And some people just have a vendetta against them. So I just wanted to know from a, a, a good editor what's the power of a semicolon you got it. it you love it okay so do, so do you want to know how to, do you want to know how to start a fight among a bunch of editors like usually editors, I'm ready to editors start typically are pretty introverted mild-mannered people and wonderful people and uh, but if you want to see an editor get riled up throw the idea of the oxford comma or sometimes called the serial comma into a conversation yes. and the serial comma is like when, when you have, um, I went to the store and I bought bread, butter, and milk. So we put mm -hmm. a comma after bread. The serial comma is, if you put it after butter, that's Oxford mm -hmm. comma, serial comma, and milk. So there are editors who absolutely say, no way that comma should be there. That is horrible. And editors that go, are you kidding? You leave that out of there? No, that's, you know, so if you want to start a big fight between editors, just throw that into the mix that the question and I want to I'm I love this I love this so much like this this is a conversation I genuinely have regularly okay and <laughs> this is this is the level of geek I function guys you're um, my kind of gal <laughs> I love it it's so fun so I used to be like a full-on you must use the Oxford comma for legal reasons because if you don't if you were writing a will and you wrote my children are Adeline, Joni, and Gordon. If I wrote that $1,000 upon my death went to Adeline, Joni, and Gordon without the Oxford comma, it would be Adeline gets 5,000 or 500, Joni and Gordon get another 500. With the Oxford comma, each of them get whatever, 333, whatever it is, yeah. right? They get it split. Yeah. 
because that, that's the power of that. But then in colloquial written language, if you're talking about bread, milk, and eggs, it doesn't matter that much because milk and eggs, you, they automatically are separated. So it's really, it's, it's really a, a fluid concept it is. that is only important in certain contexts. And it's different culturally too. Like in England, they don't tend to use the, the Oxford comma as much as we do in Canada. I, I, I think as long as you're consistent with your usage, that every time, like if you use it once in your book manuscript, use it every single time rather than mm. yes, sometimes and no, sometimes. That's the important thing to me. I feel like I would have like an asterisk and I would explain I'm using it this way because in this context, we're talking about some sort of legal affair. Because I'm a marketing <laughs> rebel. <laughs> right, right. I just like, listen, I do, I, I'm i going to go my own way. Anyway, yep, sorry, awesome. that was just a beautiful little segue. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Love language. That was, so that's the third, That or sorry, that's the second bridge. Yes, the but I believe there are three. The, there is a third bridge. And the third bridge, as I see it, is the bridge to your future. Ooh. And once you become a published author of a quality book, you are changing the trajectory of your entire life. And just as some examples, I have done traveling that I never would have done if I were not a published author. I have had speaking engagements fall into my lap uh, where the only question they asked was, well, is she a published author? Yep. Okay. She's in. That was easy. You know, I, I've done, I've met people that I never would have met. I've, I've built a business that I couldn't have built otherwise. Like it, it is the key to an amazing, unforeseen future. And it's so difficult when you're sitting in that chair for the first time, sitting down to write your book, you have no idea what you're doing. There's a lot of vulnerability. You kind of think you want to do some speaking maybe, and you know, maybe do a TEDx talk, maybe do a bunch of stuff with your, with your life, with your business. Well, writing that book and having it an acclaimed book, a, a positive book, one that says good things about you and your wisdom, that changes the whole game. It's, it's a game changer. And that's the bridge that you're building as you're writing your book is that bridge to a different trajectory for yourself. And that is so exciting. It is just so exciting to see what happens after my clients publish their books. I was speaking with a client just the other day and he was uh, he was he's a therapist and he was working up north in Attawapiskat in some uh, in a community where there were a lot of very, very traumatic things that were going on. And he loved his job. He's, he's such a kind, loving, amazing human being. Well, after the book came out, he was actually then hired on to be national coordinator for a very leading organization that's in the helping profession. So it was like, OK. And, and, it's, and it's not that he was unhappy where he was, but it's just this opportunity just, I don't don't want to say it fell into his lap, but part of what made that possible was the fact that he had the uh, this credibility of a very powerful book that talked about very important things. So it opened the door. It opened, it opened a the huge door. door. And that's just one story. I could, you know, sit here for a long time and talk about <laughs> that stuff, but, but I just <laughs> talked to him last week. So it's really fresh in my mind. Yeah, no, and that's beautiful. And I want to celebrate him because that's that's amazing mm -hmm. to be able to open that door and and 
to step through it. Because sometimes that can be a hard part too. It's like, oh, this has opened so many doors. Now uh, it's okay. I've written my book. I'm fine. And, and that's okay too, if that's your intention. Yeah. But once the doors are open, like taking the next step to be, to have the courage to step through it, imagine the next level impact that you can have on the world. Yeah. Wow. And I was scared too, you know, Shauna, when I was writing my first book, one of the things that kept me back for many years to in the completing that project was there were a lot of reasons, but one of them was I didn't want to be a famous author. I didn't want the paparazzi coming around me. I didn't want speaking engagements all over the world. I just wanted to write a really good book. And, and, and I didn't want what I perceived to come with it. What I didn't recognize is I get to choose. I get to choose the speaking engagements. I get to choose the clients. I get to choose the work that I do. I get, I, I can say yes and I can say no. And if at any time I am uncomfortable with what happens as a result of publishing a book, then, I mean, as long as it's a good book, you know, then, then I, I, I don't have to do it. And I didn't get that. And that's part of that evolution, part of that bridge to deeper dimensions of who I, who I am. That's part of what was put in place through the process of writing the book. Because I, I, I walked into this understanding that I get to choose. And, and I do a lot of speaking. You know, I, I'm not thronged by media at all. But, you know, I, I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of speaking. I meet amazing people. Like, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> Which... That's the old me didn't want that, but then this me does. Yeah. So when I, and, and you're allowed to evolve. Yeah, exactly. you start you start from a place of evolution, and you just continue to evolve, mm -hmm. and that's power. That's control, self control, and and environmental control of yourself. Um, like that's that's I feel like the space where you can actually become comfortably confident. Definitely, uh, that's that's a amazing i don't know if i've said that like six times now but it is it is i mean if, if anybody is thinking about writing a book take a deep breath and jump in and if you need help get help with it there are lots i mean i'm not the only book coach and editor in the world there are lots of other people like me that are willing to you know that know about this stuff and are willing to help you like it's you don't have to do it by yourself I mean, I'd love to help you if we're the right fit, if you feel that we're aligned and, and just try, just, you know, take those little steps and, and be one of those eight people that actually get your book published. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you to give your final thoughts, but that sounded like a really great final thought. Perfect. So instead, instead, I'm going to ask you a kind of final question and it loops right back to the beginning. So all throughout this, as we were diving into all these different aspects, crossing these bridges, my mind kept going back to our first conversation about the misleading marketing and the promise of writing a book in a week. So we also talked about how it took you 13 years. <laughs> but what that's, are we looking at? That's a big range, isn't it? <laughs> right? That's what I'm thinking. So like reasonably, I'm going to ask you the question, what are we looking at timeframe wise and how can people get in touch with you if this sounds like something that they want to dive into? Awesome question. Thank you very much. So most of my clients get their book done within a year. It's again, they have businesses, they have children. Some of them are running charitable organizations and doing charity work. They have family, elderly family members quite often that they're helping to look after. So 
it, it to me it just isn't realistic to whip off a book quickly when we have busy lives. So again, a year's I think a pretty reasonable uh, amount of time. The fastest I've ever done it was six months. That was my fourth book, and I, I had a great outline. It was uh, your outline is your roadmap. So I had a great outline. I worked through the outline, and I was done very very quickly. And I at the time this so this is going back five or six years, maybe more than that. Um, I'm the widowed mom of three kids. So, you know, pretty busy life with an elderly disabled mother in my life. So six months, you know, you've got to be pretty dedicated to do that. But I, I would say a year is a reasonable amount of time. I have had clients that have taken two years. Depends on your urgency and it depends on your why. If you want to support your business and understand that there is an enormous amount of benefit to writing a book, then you might want to, you know, put a hitch in your giddy up and get going and um, get that book done a little bit more quickly. But, you know, if I can do that as a widowed mom with three kids and a disabled mother in my life and do it in six months, I think almost anybody can. I was highly motivated. And as a traditionally published author, I was under contract. I had a legal contract with my publisher that said they wanted it by, I think it was July 17th or something. Uh, so, yeah, I was highly motivated to meet my contractual obligation. <laughs> That's pretty good motivator, but most people don't have that. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I'd say a, a year. And I would love to talk to anybody who thinks that I might be able to be of assistance. And even if you're not sure, give, you know, get in touch. My email address is Susan, S U S A N, at crossmancommunications.com. And just shoot me an email and let's get on a call and see if we're the right fit. And if I'm not, then maybe I know somebody who is. Absolutely. And the other thing that I wanted to say to everybody watching here is that all of this information is going to be housed in the in the notes. So you'll be able to just click and connect. And I encourage you to do so. This conversation is just the tip of the iceberg. When we first met, uh, the list was long of what we could talk about. And we just barely scraped the surface. So I strongly connect you reach out to Susan, start the conversation because her community is rich. And with that, we're going to have more people coming on here to have similar types of conversations. So you're not going to want to miss the next episode as well. Make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch our weekly two times a week, usually, uh, episodes of Marketing Rebels, Breaking Business Barriers. Thanks again for joining us, Susan. Until mm -hmm. next time, chat soon. Thanks.